going to be reading Psalm 33, 1 through 22. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the, Lord of the, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the heart of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him. Because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Good morning, everyone. Now, I know some of you are thinking, why does Steve have a sport coat on? Doesn't he know the tradition of this pulpit? Because that was cold this morning. <laughs> well, just last night, Don and I got back from a, a two-day trip down to the North Shore of Massachusetts. And it served a wonderful two-fold purpose. The first was a sort of reunion, a homecoming, even a possible goodbye to the, phys- uh, the physical campus of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. All living graduates uh, were invited back to campus in order to give thanks and praise to the Lord for our years of schooling there. And without going into detail this morning, but I'd be happy to talk with any of you further if you'd like a little more information. But the school may soon have to move to another location. Pastor Adam graduated from Gordon-Conwell about 20 years ago. 
I graduated from Gordon-Conwell 40 years ago this spring. And for the 150 or so of us gathered over the past two days, we were challenged to share our praise and thanks for the most foundational and eternally significant aspects of our seminary education during our years on that campus. And for me personally, while there'd be just so many things to, to praise the Lord about in regard to our three-year stay there, the one thing that I want to mention this morning is it would have to be my gratitude to the Lord for opening my eyes and my heart more and more to world missions. Matter of fact, it came about through the influence of a dear man named Christy Wilson. Most of you probably have never heard of him, but he was a missions professor during my years on campus. And what a heart for the Lord he had. What a heart for people he had. He had already served as a missionary for 25 years in one of the most uh, difficult nations on earth, uh, in, the, in the nation of Afghanistan. He taught a great world missions course. And before any student at Gordon-Conwell set foot on campus, he had already memorized all of our names, our pictures, the names of our spouses, names of our kids, if applicable. And he was already praying for each one of us individually. I'll never forget, I was in a grocery store about two weeks into my first semester there. Just going through the line, I hear a voice behind me, Hi, Steve. Turned around, it was Dr. Wilson. <laughs> Just greeting me, checking to see how I was doing that day. He also instituted a half-hour noontime prayer gathering for missions, Monday through Friday, in a very special room that still stands for that purpose today. And there were about uh, 40 of us, right, Donna, the other day, just uh, in that room praying praying for the world, for Jesus to, to meet the needs of, of those who need Him most, the, those who need Him as Lord and Savior in, in this world. And during my years on campus, I did my best to get out to each of those, uh, those half-hour noontime prayer sessions. And I think as a result of His heart for the Lord and, and for ultimately for the Lord's work through each one of us, Don and I were able to, through our 13 years of ministry up in Fort Kent and 24 down North Chelsea, Massachusetts, we were able to institute a, a three or four minute missions moment in each of our worship services all through those years. It, it was through his influence, I'm sure. And, uh, and also, just he not only taught us, but he also modeled a life of prayer. Just a willingness to, to pray for everybody connected to the campus, staff and faculty alike, along with the students. And it's just something that Don and I have tried to, to incorporate in our lives, just praying for, for all of you that are in the Facebook and, and the more that we're getting to know by name over the course of these months. The, the folks at our churches in Fort Kenton and North Chelmsford, uh, the folks that we had the opportunity to serve in our fire department down there. But just, it, it was just modeled by Dr. Wilson. So grateful for that. Well, the second highlight of our two-day trip also was the chance to give the Lord praise and thanks for our extended personal family. Don and I spent Friday night and early yesterday morning with our daughter, Laura, her, son, her husband, John, and their three children, ages six, five, and, and three. And if you happen to notice, Laura gave each of us another haircut on Friday. <laughs> Just to let you know, Laura's been cutting my hair for the past 27 years, once every five or six weeks. And she started when she was 12. Don waited a couple years to, uh, to get under the, under the scissors, but... Uh, I was her first human guinea pig, <laughs> and grateful for it ever since. And, and 
We often joke, but we don't joke anymore because I think we know we owe her more now for our haircuts than she owed us for her college education. We also have uh, three other kids and, and one more grandchild. And we just give the Lord thanks and praise for, for our family. Because uh, Laura will turn 40 here in another month or two. And so it was 40 years ago at this time, we began our parenting responsibilities. And now ultimately our grandparenting responsibilities too. Just so many things to consider, as all of you know. And while Laura obviously wasn't able to speak quite yet on day one, we, we weren't sure why, but... She was our first kid, don't forget. But even though she was not able to speak first on day one, we wanted to prepare her for two of the most important words known in any human language. No, it wasn't mommy and daddy, as nice as that would be to hear at some point. Those are two special words that I think every parent, every grandparent, every teacher would like to have incorporated in every little one that comes their way. Please and thanks. Please and thanks. Those two very special words. So every parent, every grandparent, in hearing these two words willingly roll off the, the mouths, off the lips of our kids, is, is just a, a wonderful thing. Without us having to talk, what, what do we say? What do we say now? <laughs> oh, yeah. But to hear them say so on a regular basis without prompting is very special. If you think about that, then... What about our Heavenly Father who wants to start hearing from His kids? From all of us who have been born again. From all of us who have put our, our faith in His, His saving grace, His, His wonderful work dying on the cross for us. That enables us to become His children. And don't forget, God doesn't have grandchildren. You've probably heard that little quote before. But, but all of us ourselves are, are to look to Him in faith. Thanking Him for who He is and what He's done for us. Believing in Him. And his offer of eternal life for us. And it's not so much that he wants to hear the words please and thanks, because I think we as believers pretty much have the please part down, don't we? Dear Lord, can you please get me this? <laughs> Dear Lord, can, can you please help me with that? At least I hope we use the word please, as we ask. But rather what I think the Lord really delights in hearing from his children are the two special words praise and thanks. Praise and thanks. As we consider that this morning, our focus is on the numerous psalms throughout the 150 psalms in our Old Testament that deal specifically with praise and thanks. Liz read Psalm 33 for us a moment ago. Now, how many of you memorized the sermon I gave back on January 1st? But it was, it was an overview of the psalms. And really kind of a perspective from uh, words not only written but sung with a father's heart and love for his kids. We talked about David's love for his, his kids and how he was willing to pass that, that love and faith on. Well, also there are psalms of praise and thanks, as we'll get to today, but also psalms of, of desperation and despair. There are psalms of messianic prophecy and, and, uh, and promise. There are psalms of confession and contrition. There are psalms that, that deal with the history of God's people. There are psalms that, that just delight in the wonders of God's Word. And I'm thinking, with all these psalms, if we can excitedly stand and shout at sporting events and political rallies, concerts, 
How much more so should we and could we stand and sing and shout about the grandeurs of our great God? And while we're all encouraged to praise God probably uh, uh, privately every day in, uh, day in and day out, we're also encouraged and even commanded to praise God collectively as a group of believing people such as we have here this morning, as often as we're able to. For all the verbs that Liz read in the first three verses of Psalm 33 are plural in the Hebrew language. Sing joyfully. Praise the Lord. Sing to Him a new song. Make music to Him. Play skillfully. Shout for joy. Shout for joy. We get to do that. And who are the ones to be singing, praising Praising Him, making music, and playing skillfully, and shouting about. In Psalm 33, it says, it's the righteous ones. Not our own righteousness, but righteousness that, that we are given by the Lord as we put our faith and trust. For these folks in the coming Messiah, for us looking back to the one who came as Messiah and Lord. is to be the righteous. As one Bible scholar notes, it is a fitting and proper thing for those of us who have experienced the grace of God and His forgiveness, to praise the Lord. Sinners who have been saved by God's grace ought to have no problem in praising the Lord. For the Lord is always worthy of our thanks and praise, even in the toughest of times. So many of us are familiar with the book of Job where, where in the, at the end of that first chapter where, where he lost his whole family, lost all his belongings, said, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away, I will still praise the name of the Lord. Whoa. <laughs> but that's something that, that the Lord would have us do, even in the toughest, toughest of times, because as Brian was praying earlier, God wins. God is there for us always, and He'll bring us through. We can continue to praise Him, even in the toughest times. So that's who is to praise the Lord, but, but how are we to worship the Lord together? The author of Psalm 33 suggests that we praise and thank the Lord with both our voices and with instruments. He mentions the harp and the ten-string lyre specifically. The author of the last psalm in our collection, Psalm 150, the last of all the listed psalms, has the book of Psalms going out on a high note, excuse the pun, on a high note in more ways than one. For this psalm mentions many more instruments involved in the worship at the sanctuary in that day. Listen to the words of this great psalm of thanks and praise. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All sorts of instruments. And it's so fun to be able to sing together every worship time together, isn't it? So thankful for the, for the team, for Adam as he plays, for Wendy, for Jacob. And uh, they even let me bring my drum box every once in a great while. But with those types of instruments, we can praise the Lord. So try to picture with me what, must have, what it must have been like in the tabernacle courts, what, 3,000 years ago at the time of King David. In First Chronicles 25, 
This is how David lined up the musicians to lead in corporate worship. It says, David set apart some of the sons of Asaph, Haman, and Jebusan for the ministry of prophesying, accompanied by harps, lyres, and cymbals. All these men were under the supervision of their fathers for the work of the music of the temple of the Lord, with cymbals, lyres, and harps for ministry at the house of God. Along with their relatives, all of them were trained and skilled, it says, in music for the Lord. And they number 288. That would be more than double our group here today. Just in the temple court, singing praise, playing instruments, shouting for him. Young and old alike, teachers as well as students. And they cast lots for their duties. I'm reminded of our sanctuary down in North Chelter that the Lord was so nice to allow us to serve in down that way for those 24 years. We had a wonderful pipe organ a marvelous grand piano, and one of those amazing, amazing digital pianos that can make all these sounds almost all at once, if you like, the sounds of harps and lyres and trumpets, cymbals, flutes, all sorts of other instruments. And the church family there had trained and skilled musicians. Linda was our, our key organist. Uh, Joyce filled in also as well when they needed two keyboards. Uh, Carol was our, our, our choir director. And uh, we had a wonderful choir that, that sang each Sunday during the fall, winter, and spring. And then we had special music during the summer. Different people could play instruments or, or just sing. And it was so much fun to, to be able to do that together, as you do right here. And, um, and it was just so interesting. We were so thankful. Don and I were just so thankful. We had the same choir director all 24 years. We had the same uh, organist all 24 years. We had the same treasurer all 24 years. We had the same missions director all 24 years. We had the same vacation Bible school director all 24 years. But I took her with me. <laughs> Grateful for that. <laughs> so we were just blessed in so many ways. And it was just so wonderful to be able to praise the Lord together as a group of folks there. So thus far we've talked about who should be praising the Lord and, and how we should be praising the Lord. As we offer up our, our praise and thanks. And, of course, it goes far beyond just the musical things we do together, but we are to give praise and thanks at all times 24-7. Everything that we do, everything that we even think, should be done to honor and glorify God with praise and thanks. So let's now just take a quick look also from the words of Psalm 33 as to why we should worship the Lord. As Liz read from verses 4 to 7, the author lists reason after reason for why we should regularly and even daily praise and thank God. The author said his word is true. <laughs> wow, just for that alone. His word is eternal. His word is true. He is faithful in all he does. If you think of everything going around us, everything, everyone just kind of claiming truth here, claiming truth there, even if they just don't make sense putting them together. But God's word is true. And he's faithful in all he does. The author says he loves. In other words, he's the author of righteousness and justice. If you really want to find out what justice is all about, go to God's Word. It's not something that man kind of figures out on his own. God has words to say about it. The author also says the earth is full of his unfailing love. You can't beat that, can you? You can't find it anywhere else. Unfailing love. Unfailing love. 
He made the heavens and all the starry host by his word, by simply speaking these things into existence. We stop and think that, and I don't know how we can stop our heads from spinning if we consider that, but he spoke the world into being. Whatever he commands stands firm. His word will never pass away. It will never become irrelevant. The author goes on to say he foils the plans of the nations and ultimately thwarts the purposes of unbelieving peoples. Isn't that an anchor to hang on to today? That he foils the plans of the nations. Ultimately thwarts the purposes of unbelieving peoples. With all the wars and rumors of wars, all the conflicts going on today, God will ultimately thwart those things and will one day make it all right. He'll one day make it all right. His plan stands firm forever. And His heart is for His people throughout all generations. His heart is for His people through all generations. And this list of things for which you are to give God our praise and thanks continues in Psalm 111. Just a few verses, but let me read it for us. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are His deeds, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides foods for those who honor Him. He has shown, uh, and He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts, in other words, all His words are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for His people. He ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow His precepts have good understanding. To Him belongs eternal praise. To Him belongs eternal praise. So great are His works. Glorious and majestic are His deeds. All through these wonderful reminders of who He is and what He's done. And what He's promised yet to do. So yes, we are to sing new songs of praise now and forevermore. And what does it mean in in this context? New songs of praise and thanks? Well, for one, it it means that we can continue to come up with new, thought, new songs that touch on all the unending new facets that we're going to keep discovering about God for all eternity to come. <laughs> He's that great. He's that vast. We're going to uncover something new about Him every day, forever and ever ahead. <laughs> Isn't that something to think about? And we can continue to sing songs of praise to Him forever in the future. But I also believe that singing a new song can also mean to take all the marvelous already existing songs of praise and thanks and sing them with new insight, new vigor, new appreciation. We were able to sing together some, some great hymns of the church this morning. Powerful lyrics, powerful words, praising and thanking God. The Apostle John gives us a great glimpse of all this as we who have put our faith and hope in Him in the here and now 
will be surrounding his throne in heaven one day, joining the angels and singing along with them in a new voice and a loud voice. And we'll be singing this new song of praise and thanks, taken from Revelation chapter 5. And they sang a new song, worthy as a lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Unending praise. John goes on to write, inspired by the Holy Spirit, And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen and amen. Thus all the great psalms of praise and thanks point us to what we'll have the joy in doing throughout all eternity. Giving praise to our great God. You know, someone asked me a few weeks ago, we were kind of talking about some of these things. Isn't God going to get tired of all this praise and thanks all the time? If you're a parent or a grandparent or a great-grandparent, you like hearing those words of, of please and thanks and praise. Roll off their lips, don't you? It doesn't get old. How much more so our Heavenly Father who created us for the purpose of, of praising and glorifying Him. It won't get old for Him either. It's just part of who He's created us to be and, and what He delights in having us do along His side with Him forever. Bible commentator Warren Wearsby says this, that it isn't enough to leave a place of corporate worship simply feeling good. Because feelings are temporary and sometimes deceptive. But if we leave having greater faith and hope in the Lord, going back and forth into the battle of life with greater confidence and joy, then our worship, our letting loose with praise and thanks, will have accomplished what God wanted to accomplish in us. So let's praise Him. Continue to praise Him. Now and forevermore. And thus what a great collection we have throughout the 150 Psalms that are full of praise and thanks. I'm just one. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how are we doing in our Bible reading plan for this year, 2023? If you've noticed, one of the great aspects, I think, of this plan is that we read a psalm about every other day. And it's a little different than as we read through the scriptures from cover to cover and come to the book of Psalms and, boy, for 150 days in a row, we, we get some great psalms, but then they, they kind of go by the board. And, but with this plan, we read a an inspiring one every other day and get to chew on it. Isn't that great to be able to do? So we can be thankful for this, this particular plan this, this year. And now appropriately we come to a, a time of getting ready for communion together. We will now celebrate a special Eucharist together. And many people hearing that word think, well, isn't that a Catholic word for communion? <laughs> no, it's actually a biblical Greek word for thanks, for giving thanks. Giving praise. Eucharisto. Giving thanks and praise to our great God. And we do that as we gather to take in the, the, the elements representing the, the body and the blood of Christ. At this time, Richard's going to come forward with some of the elders and, and lead us in our time of communion.